0: Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And
1: I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion.
0: And anything else that might get us canceled.
1: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us again today. We are going to dive into Roger Williams who he was and his philosophy. And I'm really excited for the podcast, not only because David will be talking about Roger Williams, but everybody's gonna get a little bit of a glimpse of what uh, it's like to be in David's class.
0: Minus the homework. Minus the homework. Yeah.
1: Well, you, I think actually you are gonna have homework at the end.
0: Well, there is some reading, but it's <laughs> suggested, so,
1: so I'll go easy on you guys, okay, no quizzes. Right. Well, um, kind of like what we've been doing in past uh, episodes, we're gonna go with five five things to know.
0: I like five. Ro- five, yeah. five is working.
1: I did it for the state of the state and I felt like it was, you know, yep. easy to remember, Five to rules follow. for
0: relationships. Yeah. I could have had more, but I slimmed it down.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Five things to know about Roger Williams. Take it away.
0: All right. Well, I, I would say, first of all, uh, Roger Williams, he's all over the place. If you live in Rhode Island, you know that there's a uh, uh, a university named after him. There's a, a park in Providence, but there's also a national memorial, uh, one of only two national parks right here in, in Rhode Island. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's just, a, I think he's a household name. Maybe it's just because I, I pay attention to history and taught history at one point.
1: Well, I think he's the most important Rhode Islander, wouldn't you say?
0: I would. I would say Roger Williams, uh, you have to say he's at least in the top five, to use that number again. But I would definitely say he's the the most important Rhode Islander uh, for several reasons, which we'll unpack today.
1: Yeah. And uh, one of the things that you told me was that there's a statue of him in Mm -hmm. Geneva, Switzerland.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Most people don't know that, but he was such an important figure to the Reformation. Even though he was maybe 100 years after the Reformation, his ideas really helped to shape the, the the the. the the rest of the Reformation after people like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin. Uh, there are only nine statues from my understanding, nine statues in Switzerland uh, to commemorate these nine figures who were important to the Reformation as John Calvin, Martin Luther. But it's interesting that Roger Williams, uh, our very own from Rhode Island was one of the, uh, one of those nine statues
1: so um we can't have an episode of church and state without discussing roger williams right Right. so the first thing to know about roger williams is he was too puritan for the puritans that's
0: right number one he was too pure for even the puritans now if you're not familiar with uh, church history or western history i'll I'll walk you through this a little bit but uh of course for a long time there was really only one church the roman catholic church um but eventually there were some christians that felt that the roman catholic church had been corrupted and they split off from that that led to the protestant reformation these protestants though there were some that felt that even the protestants were too worldly and too corrupted and that's where those were the puritans they broke off from the protestant church because again they felt that the Protestants were too worldly. But even the Puritans were not pure enough. And there was another group, the Separatists, and they broke off from the Puritans. And then on top of them, you have Roger Williams. Roger Williams felt that even the Separatists were too worldly. So that gives you an idea of just how how strong this man was in his convictions, in his principles. He had very, very strong, very conservative beliefs, and he felt that whether it was the the larger Protestant church or the Puritans or even the separatists, none of them really matched his view of what a, a Christian should look like or what the church, the one true church, should be like.
1: Wow. that uh, That's pretty amazing that he would... I mean, there was no church for him that he could associate yeah. with. I
0: mean, that was part of the reason why he came to the new world, to New England. Uh, he believed, like many others, that New England was a chance to start over again. The w- One of the first governors, first leaders called, uh, called uh, New England or the Massachusetts Bay Colony, Boston in particular, they thought of it as a city on a hill, hmm. and uh, they borrowed this language from the New Testament, the idea being that uh, that 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 uh, Boston would be a, a shining light, a beacon for all the world to see what does a true Christian community look like. And of course, that was very attractive uh, to someone like Roger Williams, but when he got here, he was uh, discouraged and dismayed. One thing people don't realize is that when he arrived in Boston, uh, Governor Winthrop, was so impressed with Williams that he offered him a job. He wanted to see him become a teacher in one of the churches. And Roger Williams refused because, again, he believed that the church was not a pure church. He felt, he felt that their membership was too laxed and too too loose. So he, he declined that, it, again, stressing the purity uh, aspect of, of Roger Williams.
1: Mm. So number two. He was the founder of Rhode Island, which was sixteen thirty six.
0: That's right. So he, before he founds Rhode Island, he gets into some trouble in Massachusetts. The leaders there don't like him because. Not only is he principled and kind of pure in his mindset, but he's very outspoken as well. And that's going to put him at odds with the leadership there. There ends up being this uh, trial and the ruling uh, elders basically deem him guilty of sedition and, and treason and dangerous ideas. And they order him to be exiled. There's no clear answer where Williams was supposed to go. They just said, you have six weeks to pack your things and get out of town. This was a dangerous time though for Williams because he was married. Uh, I think he was about 26 or 27 at the time. He had a wife and two kids. His second child was just born that month. But uh, Williams leaves and uh, sets out into the New England wilderness. It's really unclear where he's gonna land, but he spends 14 weeks in the middle of winter kind of bouncing around until he finds Providence. He was very fortunate that the native americans took care of him provided shelter and and and, and uh, sustenance for him but uh, but williams would eventually land in rhode island and uh, and purchased the land uh, fairly from the native americans
1: number three he believed in the equal treatment and fair treatment of native americans
0: yeah as i mentioned when he ends up in rhode island um it's just woods but it's not uninhabited. The the land was already occupied, uh, whether it was by the Wampanoags or the Narragansett Indians. And he he would insist on paying for the land. He would want to purchase the land from these Native Americans. This was something that the British did not bother to do when they moved in uh, to the Massachusetts Bay Colony in that region. Instead, this was actually one of the things that Roger Williams got in trouble for. When they accused them of sedition and dangerous teachings. One of the things that Roger Williams criticized the leadership for and criticized even the crown of England for was the fact that they just took the land, ignored any ownership by the Native Americans, and just gave it to the Massachusetts Bay Colony.
1: So he found them to be an illegitimate colony.
0: Exactly. He called them illegitimate. And by saying that the colony was illegitimate, that was de facto a, 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 you know, a a treasonous declaration. And that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he was exiled out of Massachusetts Bay Colony. So he's going to uh, insist on purchasing the land. So, and that does separate Roger Williams from many of the others. He felt that these Native Americans, though their beliefs and their religion was wrong, and he totally disagreed with it, he still saw in them human beings. And that meant that they should be treated with equality and respect and fairness. And that, that affected his own interactions with them. You know, one of the, uh, the sachems or chiefs of the time was Canonicus and he he was the uh, um, uh, leader of, uh, I think it was the Narragansett Indians, but uh, Canonicus had such a close relationship with Williams uh, because Williams showed so much respect towards Canonicus. Williams would, throughout his life, gave Canonicus many, many gifts. And when Canonicus was facing his own death, he insisted that Roger Williams be in attendance at his funeral. He asked for him to, to be there. He also asked that when he was buried and, and, and dressed in his final, you know, outfit before he was laid in the ground, he asked that he be dressed in the clothing that Roger Williams had given him. Canonicus thought of Roger Williams as a son. Uh, so no. all of that kind of shows you just the, the, the endearment, the respect, um, the affection that Canonicus and Williams had for one another. You know, years later, this would pay off. When there was the Pequot War between the colonists and the, the Native Americans of New England, the colonists had to call on someone to act as a mediator or diplomat. And who better than Roger Williams? He was the only person that was well-respected among many of the Native American tribes. And because of that, he was the natural go-to person. So again, all of this shows that Williams was someone who was uh, very unique in his respect for the Native Americans.
1: It's funny that when that war broke out between um, the Pequots in the and Massachusetts that Massachusetts called on him after they had yeah kicked him out. That's
0: true. They <laughs> kicked him out. You know, and even after that, Williams would go on to spend so much time studying the lives of the Native Americans. He would write a book. It was a bestseller. It was called A Key to the Language of America. That book you might think of it as like a dictionary. It's like a, just describing how the Native American language and and interpreting it or translating it. But it was much more than that. This book would provide insight into the, the customs, the manners, the weddings, the um, the death and life rituals that Native Americans would engage in. And that's why we don't look at it as like a, a language book today. We actually look at it as an early example of cultural anthropology. This was a book that was diving very deeply into the cultures of the Native Americans, while also having a great deal of respect for them. So I think it might
1: be a book that I want to read. I mean, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it
0: it really was. And it was a bestseller in England.
1: Yeah. All right. So number four is he was a champion of religious liberty.
0: That's right. Roger Williams has to be remembered. This may be his greatest contribution. Not only did he found Rhode Island, not only did he show a great deal of respect for the Native Americans, something that was very unusual for his time, but he also championed this idea of religious liberty. Remember, that's one of the reasons why he's coming to the New World, to New England. It was because of the persecution he and many of the others, separatists and Puritans had experienced. Uh, he was someone who had very, very conservative positions. Um, uh, he had a very narrow idea of who should be considered a Christian or who should be a, uh, a believer, you know, in my opinion his theology was way too conservative. In fact, a lot of his theology I would probably have to toss out. I think I disagree with a, a large large portions of it. That said, he introduced this idea because of the persecution that he experienced. He introduced this idea that, that every person should be free to follow their own conscience. This was an innovation of that time period because people believed that If there was right and wrong you should insist if you're right you should insist your rightness on other people and that led though to persecution it led to people being abused and hurt and then how would you know if someone actually was right williams ran into this all the time when he'd read through the bible he recognized there are many times in the bible where it's black and white it's very clear we're dealing with sin or righteous righteousness but then he would notice these other areas, and he would call them mysteries, because there was some ambiguity. The Bible wasn't necessarily, necessarily clear on it. Uh, it didn't address the issue head on. For those kind of issues and topics, Williams insisted that we have to allow a person to follow their conscience. He believed that God would speak to their conscience, guide them, the Holy Spirit would lead them. And therefore, it shouldn't be up to another person to insist that their conscience is right, because what if someone else's conscience uh, said something counter to, to that? So Williams would insist insist on this idea. He called it soul liberty, where your, liber- your soul should have the liberty or the freedom to find its own way. And this was something that was uh, uh, not just limited to other Christians. Uh, remember, again, today we kind of think of Christians and we're all kind of worshiping God together. We all believe in Jesus together, whether it's... Uh, Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or Pentecostal we all tend to think that we're we're all Christians and we're all under the banner of the cross but back then every one of these christian denominations felt they were the one true church the puritans the presbyterians the baptists of course the jews roger williams was willing to say all of these various different groups you know somebody's right and that means everyone else is wrong but we're not going to insist that We're the only ones that have the truth. And now we're going to force everyone to believe that way. The awesome thing about Williams was he also was willing to extend this soul liberty to even people who weren't professing Christians, so it was to the Jews, it was to the what he called the Turks, which was their way of talking about the the Muslims, but it was even to the pagans, so that w- would probably be like the Native Americans, and even people who would be considered anti-Christian, people who just didn't want anything to do with a Christian religion.
1: Mm. And you were telling me about a book that he uh, penned, which was The Bloody Tenant of Persecution. mm mm-hmm. That's the short title. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. Back then, they would have these long titles. They would just, it was like three sentences would be a title of a book. But the very beginning of it is just the bloody tenant of persecution. And in it, he reminds people that whenever the church and the state have this married relationship, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for the church, it's unhealthy for the state, and it's unhealthy for society. Now, that was counter to the culture of the time. Remember, England has an official church. It's called the Church of England. Uh, the Italians would have the, the Church of Rome. So all of Europe had these official churches that they kind of w- uh, recognized. Roger Williams saw so many problems associated with that because once the, the the state or the government had picked a church, that meant it was now enforcing the, the laws or enforcing the religious convictions of that denomination on the rest of society even if society disagreed with that um so he he was not a big fan of that and of course they were not a big fan of him so uh you could say roger williams was canceled as (laughs) as a result of that yeah they had book burnings where they took that book the bloody tenant of persecution and would just burn it yeah it was he was not a big fan he did not have many big fans in england because of that
1: so if he was on twitter today i'm sure he'd get his account
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He'd be, he'd be banned, uh, (laughs) for seditious acts. I mean, these, these really was tantamount to treason, Mm -hmm. uh, for that time period. We wouldn't think of that today. We just take for granted that every person should be free to worship God according to their conscience. That idea did not just appear. That idea came from people like Roger Williams. He really was the pioneer of it.
1: That's great. Um, so that takes us to point number five, his effect on the United States.
0: Yeah. There's, uh, you know, It's unfortunate, but we don't know a lot about Roger Williams. We don't know when he was born. We don't know exactly when he died. There's no eulogy recorded or funeral. We don't even know what he looks like. We have statues of him, but those are just kind of guesses um, as to what he looked like. Yet he has had an amazing and lasting effect on the United States of America. Rhode Island, of course, would have a charter that would guarantee this kind of soul liberty or religious freedom, but we weren't the only ones. What Rhode Island started, many other states would follow suit with. Uh, We know that just a year after Rhode Island's charter was established, New Jersey would adopt a, a, a charter, and then it would also add a line that said that no person should be, quote, molested, punished, disquieted, or called into question for any difference in religious opinion or practice. New Jersey had adopted an idea that came from uh, from Rhode Island, and Rhode Island, of course, had taken that idea from Roger Williams. Mm-hmm. And we weren't the only ones. Uh, the Carolinas would follow suit. And then later on, years later, when we fast forward to the development of the U.S. Constitution, uh, James Madison Uh, who was the primary author author of the Constitution, he would add one line in the original version of the Constitution in Article 6 that would talk about religious tests. And he insisted, and of course it was passed, that no religious tests should be required of anyone who wanted to be qualified for a public office. So whether you were... Catholic or Christian or Jewish or Baptist or Quaker, none of those things should have been a disqualifying uh, fact if you wanted to become a, a public official. That is a long way from where Roger Williams had taken the country. When Roger Williams was in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, you had to attend church services. Sunday services were mandatory. If you did not go to service on a Sunday, you could be fined. You could lose your rights as a citizen. You wouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, th- there were all sorts of Sabbath laws. There were all these laws that, that were thrust upon people. And this shows you how far the country had come. And of course we would have the first amendment that would later on be passed. Uh, and that, that, that would famously say that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That uh, did two things. It protected the state from the church, but it also protected the church from the state.
1: Wow, that's so good. And then uh, I was thinking about how um, Roger Williams he said a lively experiment that uh, Rhode Island was engaging in. When I think of lively experiment, I think like you know like boisterous or happy, but yeah. really it was more like a. Dangerous experiment.
0: It was, and that's what they called him. Um, the, the Massachusetts Bay Colony despised Roger Williams. They did not like him. Um, the, one of the uh, the governors, it might have been Winthrop, but he said that Rhode Island is turning into a cesspool of abominations. <laughs> that it would crazy. just attract all of these heresies and cults and Christian, non-Christian and, and uh, different religions. So... Uh, in Massachusetts, which was supposed to be the city on the hill and this place of purity and the one true church, the way, the beacon for the whole world, right in its backyard now had all of these other religions being attracted. And I think Roger Williams, though, his, his point of view on this was, um, he, I think he believed in the free market of ideas, that if, if a, an idea is right or a religion is right, then it's going to win out over the long time. Over the long, you know, course of human history, the best ideas will win out. At least that's my take on it. The, the as far as the free market of ideas, and I think we've seen that. I think uh, you know when you look at the European churches, they don't look nearly as fervent or spiritually or religiously devout as the American church. When you measure uh, religion, all of Europe, many of these countries have official state religions, but many of the churches are empty. Because these churches have existed on, uh, or existed by, because of the the support that the state has given them, in Rhode Island and then throughout the rest of the United States, the church has had to stand on its own, and I think that's one reason why the church is stronger because it's not relying on Uncle Sam for a paycheck like the um, the early colonies would do. They would actually take taxes and the 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 taxpayers would pay for some of the salaries of these ministers you don't hear of that in the united states
1: yeah well those are all very interesting points and i think that one episode does not do roger williams any justice no we'll
0: definitely have to come back and cover some more with him. we'll
1: do another five points what do you think
0: yeah five five more things about yeah yeah.
1: um so thanks for joining us and uh, leave in the comments what you've learned about roger williams
0: and if you're interested in learning more about Roger Williams, I'll post to our website uh, a couple of good books about Roger Williams to help get you started. Uh, they were very helpful. One of them is very, re- very readable. It's like 120 pages, 115 pages. But you can visit those uh, or you can visit our website at churchinstateri.com. That's www. Do, do people still have to say that? www. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Unless you're a certain age. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Man, churchandstateri.com. This is the
1: homework that David said he wasn't going to get. Extra
0: credit. (laughs) Leave in the comments if you uh, read one of those books. I'd love to hear it.
1: Our closing quotation comes from Francis Whelan, the former president of Brown University. He said, the Pilgrims and the Puritans sought religious liberty for themselves. Roger Williams sought it for humanity. Thanks again for listening.
0: And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes.
1: And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.